Yeah, we're very glad to have him here too. Last week I began a series talking about that we are handmade. Everybody say, handmade. I, you know, I don't think we talk to ourselves enough. And, uh, you know, one thing that I... One thing that I, I, I really think that we don't get enough of is the recognition of just how special we are in the eyes of God. I mean, it's, it's not an accident that you were born and we as people were created by God. Matter of fact, Genesis 1.27 says that God created mankind in his own image. I mean, as, as much as you know, as much as I love our little dog, Maddie, and as much as she is a part of our family, the dog's not made in God's image, but we were. Of all of this vast creation, I mean, there are, honestly, there are, there are many beautiful things in creation. You know, there are many other, even planets, and they, they, they take pictures of them, and you see this, this majesty that God has created everywhere, but yet none of that what was in his image. You know, I've ever been to the mountains. Let's, let's pick something prettier than the mountains. You ever been to the ocean? And you stand there in the, in, in the wonder of this, but yet... But yet those things were not created as pretty as they are, as majestic as they are. They are still not as special as you are in God's eyes. Matter of fact, Psalm 139, we discussed it last week. He said, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This word fearfully doesn't mean to be afraid. It means in awe. This word literally means that God created us awesome and wonderful. You. That God created you awesome and wonderful. And I, I really don't think we, we spend enough time on that. Matter of fact, many people suffer from what I would, what I would say a very low self-image or a low self-esteem. They're, they're down on themselves. Well, I don't look like I want to look. Well, I don't speak like I would like to speak. I don't, I don't have certain giftings or certain talents that, that I would like to have. And we kind, of, we kind of look at ourselves as something less than God looks at us. Because when God looks at us, he sees something that is awesome and wonderful. And sometimes we look at ourselves as something far less than that. And people suffer, even in the church, people suffer from this low self-esteem and they, they kind of feel down about themselves or, or they, they, they can even become depressed or very discouraged because of, of um, the thoughts that they have about themselves. But I declare to us today that we need to change that paradigm in our lives. That there needs to be a shift in our mind to recognize that when God created me, He created me in His image, and His image is awesome and wonderful. God created me awesome and wonderful. So last week we talked about the uniqueness, that, that in this awesomeness, in this 
wonderful thing that God has created in us, that God created us unique, that, that there, is, there, there is no other you on the face of this planet, that you are you, and you need to learn to be the best you that you can be. I mean, I still kind of get tripped out over what I was talking about last week and our uniqueness that, that I, I mean, I got to think about it this week. I really don't know how God gets one billion different patterns on this. You know what I'm saying? One billion. What about five billion different patterns on this? What about as they are saying now, the world population. Eight billion people live in this world and every one of us can go to prison because of our fingerprints. That we are so uniquely made by God. I'm still trying to figure out, how do you get eight billion patterns on that? How do you do that? I can't do that. But yet, God in His infinite wisdom and His awesome power, put something right here on our very body, something that we see quite often, maybe don't think about enough, but God made us so unique that not a single person in this entire world shares the same fingerprints. Eight billion different designs that our hands every day scream back to us from God saying, I made you special. I made you unique. I made you just who you are and just how you are. And somehow or another, we need, to, we need to wrap our head around this idea that God did not make a mistake when he made us. We are intricately woven by God as a unique creature. But not only as a unique creature, I want to talk today about this idea that not only have we been made unique, but we have also been made with purpose. With purpose. None of us is just a blob of dead weight. God, in His infinite wisdom, strategically placed within every one of us His Unique purpose. Look at Romans 8, 28. It declares this to us. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That within us, somehow or another, that within who we are, that God has intricately woven into our DNA a specific purpose that God has initiated something in you, even from your birth, that God would declare this individual will serve this particular purpose. How powerful it is, and this is kind of where I'm going with this today, it's very powerful when we finally get comfortable in and step into that purpose that God has called us. And we stop as... Paul was doing when he was known as Saul and Jesus struck him down on the road and made this statement to him, how hard is it for you to kick against the pricks? In other words, I have, I have a unique purpose for you and your life and so don't kick against it, don't fight against it, just follow the plan that I have laid out for you because I am God and I have created you in my image with a very powerful purpose. Some people say, well, how do I find that purpose? I think one place that we have to start is 
there are inside of every one of us almost like, almost like internal magnets. There are certain things that we are drawn to. And then because of that, there are certain things that are drawn to us. I mean, we may not always think that it's the greatest thing on the face of the planet, but I will tell you this, when you start walking in the called purpose that God has for you in your life, it is amazing how settled your soul becomes. I mean, you just sort of take a deep breath and think, Man, I just feel like, I feel like my life is working like a hand in a glove and not talking about OJ. I'm talking about a real fit. You know, that I mean, it just, it just, things are beginning to kind of work out in my life. Let me, let me give an example here. I, Several years ago, when, when, I was, when I was first in ministry, in the denomination that we were in, it was very common for young preachers, especially when they were as young as I was. I was 19 years old when I went full-time um, on the road doing this. Um, you either, either kind of did one of two things. You either became a youth pastor or you became an evangelist. A youth pastor stayed at home and dealt with this. <laughs> an evangelist... An evangelist traveled from church to church and dealt with nothing. I mean, I, I picked the evangelist route. <laughs> and for several years, I felt really called to, to do that. I mean, I really did. There was this deep call in my life. I really enjoyed it. I went from church to church. I got to preach faith to the people and make them all happy, and I got to leave before any of their trouble came up. You know, I didn't have to deal with any problems. I just I would leave before there were problems. I didn't have to worry. I didn't have to worry about whether or not the light bill of the church was getting paid. You know, think about that for a second. We we found out this week that that the national average for people who actually give in the church environment is four percent. Four percent of the people actually give. That's a travesty. That might be something we ought to pray about. But then, you know, as an evangelist, you didn't have to worry about that. You know, by the time the light bill came due, you were back on the road. And man, I'd preach, and I, I, you know, this was really working in my life. But, but there along about six years into that gig, I started feeling this real uncomfortable desire to have a longer reach in the lives of people. You know, I was, by then, Raylene and I were traveling together, and we were kind of going to the same churches. Most of those churches were in California. We were living the high life. The, 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 the pay was good. The weather was amazing. We had snow, we'd go snow skiing on Monday and go to San Francisco and walk the beach on Tuesday. Man, there was just something inside of me that wanted to have more of an interaction with the people. I just, you know, I w- I, we would go back to the same church and there would be, you know, Brother Charles. And, and, and Brother Charles, you could tell that, you know, he got saved last year in our revival. Now you can kind of tell that Brother Charles has got some discipleship stuff going on in his life. 
And I, I got to wanting to be a part of that discipleship thing. I mean, pastors kept looking at me and saying, you're not considering getting off the evangelistic field, are you? You're nuts. Anyway, you don't want to do what we do. And you got it made doing what you do. But there was this thing going on. Well, here a few years ago, uh, Pastor Brett, our, our pastor and chairman of our, our accountability board, he, he, he said, look, I want you to, you and Raylene, and there was a couple others, I want you guys to do this DISC profile, not the one we do with Growth Trek that's 20 questions. I'm talking about a DISC profile that spits out a report that's like 35 pages long. And I want you to do this DISC profile. And we're going to get our professionals down here that have been trained to analyze your brain and your personality and who you are. And we're going to figure out if you're even supposed to be doing what you're doing. I went, well, that's good. You know, now that I'm like in my mid-40s, you know. And so, and so we did that. And I'll never forget, Mike Acosta from Houston came up with these folders. And, and he, he did everyone else. And then he, he kind of got to me and he... he, he he pulled my folder up from this whole disc profile. And, and I'm not, this is no exaggeration. He took, my, he, took, <laughs> he took my entire disc profile like this in his hand and he kind of slammed it down in the middle of the table. And he says, Pastor Rob, you are doing exactly what you were born to do. He slapped it down there. He said, man, your numbers, your, your personality, man, all of this... This every page of this disc report screams, Pastor, 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 Pastor. And I can remember when God was molding and changing that DNA began to leak out of me on the evangelistic field. I could feel, I could feel that God was pulling me toward this pastor deal. Until finally I was willing to really, I mean, when we came off the evangelistic field, we took like a 60% cut in pay. We walked, into, we walked into a lot more trouble than we ever thought we would have. You know, I mean, when you're evangelist, you have no enemies. And so, and so you know, but, but yet there was this pull. And I will tell you this, that if it wasn't for that call, if it wasn't for that deep-seated feeling on the inside that I have been, I have been made to do this. And I mean, that can be in any area of life. Some of you are in business, and some of you are in, are, are, are in, um, in sales. And, and, you know, have you, ever, have you ever seen somebody, you know, I mean, I, I think about Pastor Kevin Hill back there. I mean, I mean he's, he's just DNA'd to be like a door-to-door salesman. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, he's the kind of guy that could go knock on someone's door with a suitcase and sell them shoes, you know? And there'll be some people that are just wired, man. They're wired to do these things. And there's nothing like the feeling when you step into that calling that God has for you. Because when the times get tough, it's that purpose that keeps you in the game. We are called according to his purpose. I, I, we have a transition going with, with Ryan and Ashley and the children's ministry. We announced that last week. And I'll never forget when, 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 I, when, when I really started talking to Ashley about children's ministry several years ago. She had thought that she was going to be a missionary. And, you know, I, 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 she had gone on some mission trip and she'd wanted to go to the Philippines with us. So we took her to the Philippines and, 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 
and on that trip, you know, you just kind of noticed something about what was going on in, in Pastor Ashley's heart. And I had watched her grow up in this church, and I watched the way she, she dealt with growing up in a home with her parents, both working jobs, and Ashley many mornings would, would get her siblings up, her, her little sisters up, and she always seemed to just... She always just seemed to do this with, with like, a, like a joy in her heart as, you know, she's cooking them breakfast and she's getting them dressed. She's getting everybody to school on time. And here she's doing this. She's 16 years old, 17 years old. And she's getting everybody ready, getting everything. And, and she's doing this to help her family. And, and then I just kind of noticed on this Philippines trip, you know, here she is thinking about missionary and, and all of this. And, and, and she wasn't yet married to Ryan it's a good thing she was attracted to children because she married Ryan. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's another story. That's why we have David and Hope Green in there as the assistants. You understand? Bring some balance, you know. Anyway. And then, you know, we get on this mission trip, and, and it, we, we're going to different churches that we, that we have there. And, 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 and Ashley... You know, she just walks on the campus and all these kids just go, whoosh. It's like, where's Ashley? She's somewhere in the middle of all of the brown skin. She's somewhere. Oh, you see that kid that just went over the top? That was Ashley. He went over the top. They crawl on her. She would have to sit down because they were all latching a hold of her. And she would sit there and they would all come crawl on her and get on her. And it's just like this mass of humanity and somewhere in the middle of it, in the middle of all these five and four and three-year-old kids in the middle of all them little kids was Ashley. And I watched this day after day and in the Philippines. I watched this church after church. These kids had never even met her before. They had never even seen her. But yet all she had to do was just walk in and sit down and here they came like a magnet. All these little kids come running to her. And, and finally, at the end of that, I, I said, Ashley, I think you need to pray about something. I'm not going to force this on you. It's not me to call somebody. But I'm like, I'm just ob observing something here. It's a man that's been your pastor most of your life. Have you noticed the way these kids come to you? Could it possibly be that God has called you to be a missionary to children at home? I mean, it's just impossible. Just think about it. Pray about it. Something about you and kids. She didn't want to hear that. But yet about six months later, she come with Ryan, and this time they were together, she comes off, she's crying. And she says, man, I don't think I can run from this thing. I just feel like I'm supposed to help Pastor Spunky and Don. And man, we were, it was just an amazing, wasn't it, Don? It was just an amazing thing. Something about getting settled in that call, that, that when you are settled in your purpose, when you understand, is this too heavy for y'all? Y'all kind of looking back at me like, you understand this thing that, that man, I'm not, I'm not just a blob. I, I'm not just a nobody. God doesn't create nobodies. God has created me for purpose, and because of that, God is working all things out for my good. 
because of that. Because God has created me for purpose. I don't have to be afraid that, that, that things aren't going to work out. Because, because God, in his purpose in me, if I just can walk in that purpose and trust the process... Trust the process that my faith declares that no matter what the circumstance, if I will stay true to the purpose that God has called me for, everything's going to work out. It's easy to get discouraged when you face trials and forget that you have purpose, that God, even if God transitions you, that God has called you for purpose. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Have you ever thought that you're not just meandering through life? Have you ever thought that God has so intricately planned things for you that he has marked out a race for you and wherever you are and whatever is happening in your life that God's purpose will be revealed? God's purpose in you is alive. It's in your DNA. You can't get away from it. The race marked out for us Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus shows us that even if we go to a cross, the cross is never final. Matter of fact, Jesus had to have help off of the cross, but he came out of that tomb all by himself. Why? Because the purpose of God was being revealed to him even in that difficult situation, even when the race that is marked out for us leads us through a cross experience. Oh, I feel like I'm dying. Have you ever been there? I'm like, well, there that goes. There goes that dream. There goes that reality in my life. I guess it's all up to just junk. Everything's gone to pot. And not talking about the kind in Colorado. (laughs) Whole life. I mean, I, I literally, I'm telling you right now, there have been times in my life, in my prayers, I've prayed very honest prayers to God, and I've lifted my hands when I was by myself, and I've said, what in the world was that? What was that? I don't understand this cross. I don't understand the pain. I don't understand the rejection that I'm feeling right now. I don't understand this, but yet I understand that I've been called for purpose. And the Bible says that because there was an end game in mind, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross because something's coming in just a few days that's going to make it all better because I'm going to fulfill my purpose. Am I preaching too hard? I'm going to fulfill my purpose Jesus prayed to the Father in the garden before the cross, and he says, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. 
But yet he could not pray himself out of his purpose. Couldn't pray himself out of his purpose. God has a race marked out for you. You were handmade by God to run your race. I don't know how we landed on the NCAA track meet yesterday on the television. Okay? It's just one of those. Yesterday was a weird day for the Griffin household. Okay? And it just culminated with us watching the NCAA track meet. How do you, I, okay. I was like, I don't even have a kid running. I mean, I, I would understand it if I had somebody running. But I landed on that, and it was thrilling television. We just left it on. I guess there was nothing else. Reruns of Pirates of the Caribbean and Batman just weren't doing it. We did have some company over while this was going on, and Raylene's brother, his wife and family, they were, they were there. And so we had the volume off. But I noticed, okay, I noticed this little blonde college girl that's clearly getting ready to run a kind of a race that I had never even seen before because I'd never watched this on television. What they call that? Steeplechase. I, I didn't know. I, I thought, you know, I, I have no hurdles. I know that. You know, 100-yard dash, 300-yards, whatever, meters, whatever, whatever they do in European measurements. And I, um, this was called a steeplechase race. I didn't know they put people through steeplechases. Some of you might. Do you got any track people in the room ever tried to do a steeplechase? So none of you are willing to even admit that you've ran track. That's tremendous. <laughs> the, and I know you do. I know you do. I come by the school. They all just looked at me. Like, dude, I don't run, I don't run nothing. I don't ever run nothing. You, now you're lying. We're going to have to have a repentance service. The steeplechase, they didn't have the regular hurdles that, you know, you can run through. You know those kind? I can't jump one. Then, then, then clearly some people that run track can't either. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're out there. Is, this was a steeplechase. The gates that these girls was jumping was like made out of steel. Okay? They were solid. It's not one that you could like hitting. I mean, if you hit this thing, you're going to hurt. You know? And it ain't falling. It, it's going to stay right there because it's like bolted to the ground or whatever just a steel like horses jump over you know and there were several of these there's like a 300 meter race i think that's like close to two miles i don't even i can't even fathom that i almost died i almost died in the in the warrior dash you know what i'm saying and i walked most of it but that mud pit almost killed me you are you flowing with me these girls are like running, man. They running. And, and, but, but listen, you know, just in our conversation, every so often I'd look up there at the television, and, and they, kept the, they kept the camera focused on this little blonde girl, you know, doesn't weigh anything. And, and they just, I don't know what they were saying about her, but they were clearly saying something about her because they just kept the camera on her. 
and, and then they start the race. Oh, one of the obstacles didn't just have a fence, it had a pool of water. And the pool of water was too long for them not to land in the water. And so now they're not only running all of this and they're having to jump these impossible barriers, now they're running with wet shoes. If any of you kids ever get the idea to go to college and do a steeplechase, I will come watch you do it. And man, but this little girl, when the race started, you know, she kind of started out with the pack. And then right off the very beginning, she's kind of like four steps in front of the next person behind her. And then as this thing progressed, six minutes into it, seven minutes into it, eight minutes into it, this girl separated herself from the pack. And by the time she crossed the finish line, she had set a new NCAA record for the fastest steeplechase run of anybody ever in history. Okay? I will tell you this. I didn't hear what they were saying about her before that race started, but I was saying to myself, that little blonde-haired girl is going to tear this thing down. Because she is built to run this thing. She's made for it. She's made to do it. And you've been made to run your own steeplechase. We may not understand some of the pitfalls that we might get into in the midst of running this steeplechase. Matter of fact, I can't help, I can't help but think about this story of this guy in John chapter 9, uh, uh, verse number 1. It's a very, listen to this. As he went along talking about Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. Everybody said this guy was born blind. And this is important. I know we, we have a society structure now that enables those who have whatever physical disability or handicap that they may have been born with. We have ways of, of integrating and doing things, and we, we have systems and medical technology and, and different kinds of equipment that they can purchase and buy, and they can be a functioning part of society even with even with a disability, and I love that. I thank God for that. But that ain't the way it was in the Bible. I mean, when you were born blind, you were born as an outcast. Not only were you born as an outcast, you weren't even allowed to go worship with the people at the temple because you were blind. It made you unworthy to enter into the sanctum of worship. So while everybody else got to go worship in the temple and take their sacrifices, here's this blind man that all he has in his life for his entire life is a life of scorn, is a life of shame. They shamed people with handicaps. Well, must have been something wrong. Matter of fact, listen to this. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Why is this guy such an unlucky dude? Shame. Scorn. It's what this man lived with his entire life. But yet Jesus, listen to these words, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this 
happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. When I am in, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud of the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. The word means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Think about this. This man was born blind for one purpose. And that was for Jesus to prove I am the Messiah through him. I mean, to me it almost sounds unfair. But yet, in God's estimation, this man was born with an enormous purpose. And he had a cross that he had to carry into his adult life. This man carried the cross. And on this day, this man was where God meant him to be. You were born blind so that Jesus will pass by. And Jesus is going to not only give you sight, but this sight is also going to give others sight. Jesus is going to declare his Messiahship through you. Can you imagine that? That he was born blind so that Jesus could heal him on this particular day. I don't know where you are, but I will tell you this. You have been handmade by God for his purpose. There is a purpose woven in your DNA that you can't get away from. God has made you for purpose. Would you stand with me? Would you bow your heads for a moment? See, I I feel like in this house right now, I think we kind of have, I gave several scenarios. I did that on purpose today because I think we have people here with all kind of stories and all kind of scenarios happening in your life. Some of you feel like the blind man. You feel like, Man, I don't get this. Why was I born so unlucky? Why was I born with this handicap or with this? And it may not be a physical one. I'm talking about it's mental or spiritual or even emotional. That you just feel like you're limping along and, and, and you don't understand. And, and so today may be the day that you, that you see Jesus coming. Or you may just hear him coming. Or you may just feel him coming. But today may be the day that Jesus says, It's time to go to that place that you've been sent. And when you get to that sent place, see, for me, that sent place was to pastor. That was my sent place. That's where God, in his infinite wisdom, for for at least this part of my life, my sent place has been to pastor. And I have the DNA to do that, and God's called me to do that. But other people may, may have been, you may be called into the business world. What's your purpose where is your scent place? Some of you are still trying to figure that out. You've got young people in this room that you've got some time to, to figure that out in your life. But I'll tell you what, if I were you, if I was 16 years old, I would start praying. I'd start praying because, man, two years goes by fast. Four years goes by faster. Six years go by faster. Before you know it, you're standing in a place and you're, and, 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 and I'm telling you, if I had the opportunity to start thinking about it and say, man, where's my scent place? Where's my scent place? Man, I, I, I accepted my call in the ministry when I was 13 years old. I was 13 years old when I said, God, that's, I, I feel like that's where I'm going with this thing. 
and start praying about it, but, but there's, a, there's a sent place for you. So, I mean, I think some of you feel like I'm blind. I, I can't really even see. Others of you may feel like I was. I mean, there's a transition in my life. I, I felt this tremendous transition from evangelist to pastor. It's completely different ministry dynamics, and I felt this tremendous transition take place in my life. And you know what? That only precluded other transitions. That I've had much greater transitions even while pastoring. I mean, major decisions make these major transitions. And the question is, are you, are you in tune with your purpose? Are you in tune with your purpose? That you can go to that scent place? See, other, others, they may feel like what I was talking about with Pastor Ashley, that you know what, there's some magnets in your life, and you need to stop fighting it. There's some things being attracted to you, and you're being attracted to, and men, you need to just embrace that and recognize that there may, there may be a tremendous thing for you there if you'll just embrace what God is calling you to do. Does, it, does this make sense to you? See, wherever you're at, whatever, whatever dynamic you're looking at right now, I want to pray with you. Would you bow your head, close your eyes again, please? And if you're here today, you say, you know what, Pastor? At least one of those areas kind of affects me today. I, I'm kind of got me thinking today. You just sort of got me thinking. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you would just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling I, I want to know my purpose. Thank you so much. Hands are all over this room. So this is what I want us to do. But put your hands down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want us to pray together right now. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer that I believe is going to kickstart something in your spirit. It's going to make something happen in your spirit. It's going to start moving you in the direction that God wants you to go. Would you pray with me? Say, Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you help me find the purpose that you have called in my life. I thank you right now that I have an opportunity to see, to hear, to feel. I have the opportunity to embrace the race that has been marked out for me. And today, I accept that call. Now help me find every marker. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said in Jesus' name again. Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I believe something amazing is going to happen. Amazing, amazing, amazing. If you are on our prayer partner team, please come forward. We end every service.